Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. The weather is warming up, and I am so glad you've joined us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. And we're covering it all from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The second year of hemp production in the Texas High Plains probably won't amount to much, Year one was just that discouraging. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Inventory challenges in the green industry this spring. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll explain what that's all about on Texas Ag Today. Ag producers in Central Texas are assessing the damage after the ice storm. This is Dr. Shane McClellan and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas Beef Council has a new celebrity chef promoting Texas beef. Jessica Domel has the story. Brandied short ribs, smoky Texas chili, and smoked prime rib. Those are just a few of the recipes added to the Texas Beef Council's Beef Loving Texans website by TBC's new chief recipe officer, Eddie Jackson. Jackson is a former NFL cornerback and a Food Network chef. In his role as the chief recipe officer, the Beef Council says he's developing unique and timely recipes. He's also serving as an ambassador for Beef Loving Texans. This is the first ever partnership of its kind for the Beef Council. You can find Jackson's recipes, plus many others, at beeflovingtexans.com. That's beeflovingtexans.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. One-third of the Texas wheat crop is still struggling. The first assessment of the crop was released this week, reflecting the condition of the wheat crop after winter storm Uri. The Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report shows that 7% of the wheat crop is rated excellent, 21% rated good, 39% of the crop rated fair, and 33%, nearly one-third of the wheat crop rated in the poor to very poor categories. The report also shows that the maturity of this crop is well ahead of schedule. They're reporting 20% of the wheat crop has now headed. That is well ahead of the five-year average pace of 5%. Pasture conditions here in Texas continue to look dismal. Only 1% of range and pasture conditions rated excellent, 13% good, 29% fair, and 57% of the pasture and range conditions in Texas rated poor to very poor. Hemp was a big topic of conversation a year ago in the Texas High Plains, but nowadays, not so much. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. As planting time nears, Texas A&M AgriLife hemp specialist Calvin Trossel is not expecting a lot of local acres to go to hemp. A major downside to hemp? What many once believed was a promising market went downhill a long time ago. What I would have said a year ago, I can still say today, and that is that for dried material that would be sold for cannabinoids like CBD, those prices still, a year later, 
are about 85% below what they were at the beginning of the 2019 cropping season. But while opportunities on the CBD side look dismal, Dr. Trossel does see potential for growing hemp in our area for fiber or grain purposes as markets for those products are developing. But one concern there is that most varieties suited for those purposes are from points well north of our region, places like North Dakota, Canada, Poland and the Ukraine. When those varieties are brought down south, they appear to struggle with the difference in day lengths and wind up flowering prematurely, creating questions about whether they will even work in our state. AgriLife testing will help answer that question, but unfortunately those trials are going to get planted this year and so the outcome of those trials and the help they can give us is going to affect the 2022 crop, not here in 2021. It's turning out that this hemp stuff is kind of complicated and the learning curve will likely be a long one for farmers and even veteran agronomists like Dr. Trossel. James, uh, I don't know how many years it's going to take before I feel like I got enough of an education on hemp. It is not simple, like growing even corn or or let alone sorghum, or even cotton for that matter. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The big winter storm of 2021 killed many landscape plants and has affected the inventory of replacement plants. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look. We're joined today by horticulturist John Begno in San Angelo. And John, uh, certainly the winter storm in February has uh, set uh, folks back on their landscapes uh, in the early part of of this year. And uh, here we are in the month of March. Due to the uh, coronavirus pandemic that started uh, about a year ago at this time, uh, when it comes to inventories at landscape companies and uh, home improvement stores for uh, landscapes, whether it be plants and shrubs, uh, there may be uh, somewhat of an issue this year. Talk about Uh, that inventory possibility? There could be some challenges this year in the inventory section of the green industry. And when we refer to the green industry, it's our turf grass, our trees, our shrubs. It's everything from service to supply. And the wholesale growers, the guys that actually are out in the field growing the plants that you buy at the retail nursery where you go shopping, they usually go years in advance trying to figure out what kind of plant materials need to be planted, how much of these. And then when we have something uh, like a, an event of COVID that comes along and people switch from going to the office and working and staying home and doing all these projects, landscape projects in particular, then they can have an effect on this supply. So we saw this as one of the best years for the retail nursery industry that we've had in years because of people going out shopping and buying plant material. But now growers may be uh, struggling to uh, produce those plants for customers this spring. If you think about the lag time that we have from getting, let's say, a five-gallon shrub, you don't get that in one year's time. You know, you might plant cuttings, get the cuttings up, and they call liners. One-gallon plant material could be available in maybe one year on some shrub. But sometimes it's three to four years before you can get a two, three, four, five-gallon shrub that most people would like to start with. And then the kind of shrub, if they didn't know we were going to have a hard freeze like we had in Texas, then those plants that we used to could plant that would not freeze that we may not even consider using now, we have some plants being grown there that we're not going to choose from, and the plants we really need, there's going to be a great demand for those. So we're going to see a little bit of shift and challenges in the green industry coming as far as Texas growers go, but also California, Tennessee, Florida growers that ship plants to Texas It's going to be an interesting game in the landscape industry this spring. That information on the Green Industry Inventory Outlook from San Angelo Horticulturist John Begno. I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 
Farmers and ranchers in central Texas are assessing the damage caused by winter storm Uri. Shane McClellan reports from Waco. The ice storm that hit the U.S. last week has affected all of us in some manner. Everyone with livestock was concerned during that time about providing feed and water, of course helping our livestock cope with the severely low temperatures and, and living conditions. In central Texas, livestock producers started and finished their days in the dark, feeding and hauling water or even breaking ice on stock tanks. The worst part of the storm for the livestock, especially in our area, was that Monday and Tuesday. The powdery snow, ice, and wind seemed to find any, any opening it could get and get into barns and shelters. And then the one-degree temperature on Tuesday sure took its toll. Uh, a lot of calves born Monday and Tuesday, sheep and goat kids born Monday and Tuesday, uh, had about a 50% chance of making it just because of the cold temperatures. I continue to hear about stocker calves falling in tanks and cows that got down after falling through the ice on creeks and stock tanks. I heard of a horse falling into a tank after walking on ice, and most of the those stories have happy endings, but, but not all of them. Uh, ag producers across our great state worked extremely hard and fought those winter conditions to support their livestock, and that's really the only reason our livestock came out of the storm as good as they did. Our hard red winter wheat actually looks better than I expected. It's still early. Younger wheat seems to be growing out of the injury. Damage on some older wheat is more apparent, but it's really hard to tell yet just how bad that damage might be. Typically, it takes five to seven days after that freeze injury is over to kind of see and get a good read on the winter freeze damage on small grains. Wheat that was top dressed shortly before the ice storm does appear to be damaged worse than the wheat that was not top dressed. Oats is damaged and some of it looks really bad and some of it looks hurt like it might be okay. Uh, like I said, it's just uh, really too early to tell when we'll, we'll be able to tell five to seven days after, after that event was over. This is Dr. Shane McClellan reporting from Waco for Texas Ag Today. The American Farm Bureau Federation is reminding farmers and ranchers about the importance of safety and health as part of Ag Safety Awareness Program Week. Michael Clements has the story from Washington. This week is Ag Safety Awareness Program Week, and the American Farm Bureau, along with state Farm Bureau organizations, are promoting safety for farmers and ranchers. Maggie Good, AFBF Member Engagement Director, says Farm Bureau members throughout the country are participating in the effort through the theme, Driving Safety Home. Each day of the week has a different theme to share resources and different messages around so I know a lot of our State Farm Bureaus have teamed up with their volunteer programs to make sure that they're including their members in getting out health and safety messages and getting personal stories worked into that. Good says farm safety and health extends beyond the usual conversations of safety around machinery and in the field. Wednesday's theme is general farmer wellness. It can cover a whole variety of things as far as getting a normal checkup every year and making sure you're up to date on all the vaccinations that you need. Thursday, we're talking about mental health. American Farm Bureau has the Farm State of Mind webpage on our website. It's got a ton of great resources about mental health and also give them the tools that they need when someone in their circle is struggling. Good says Ag Safety Awareness Program Week offers important reminders to all over rural America. It not only serves as a reminder to farmers and ranchers to keep themselves and their families safe during planting season and into the warmer months, but it also serves as a reminder to motorists that there's going to be slow-moving farm machinery on the road. And by taking their part to slow down, they're not only getting themselves and their families home safely, but they're also making sure that our farmers and ranchers can get a safe and abundant food source on their table. Find Ag Safety Awareness Week resources online at fb.org. Michael Clements, Washington. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is looking into a new case of chronic wasting disease in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you have an overweight pet, there are some ways to get them back into shape. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, I'll admit it. I'm overweight. I need to get back in shape and drop a few pounds. But did you know that most of our pets are overweight as well? Dr. Bob Judd has some advice on trimming them back down to size. If you have an overweight pet, you're in good company because about 70% of dogs and 50% of cats have been found to be overweight. This extra weight does the same thing to pets as it does in humans as it makes symptoms of arthritis worse and makes it more difficult to breathe, as well as many other problems. I know getting your pet to lose weight is difficult because they make you feel like they are starving. However, you just have to use tough love and realize they are not starving. Lots of folks indicate their pets will not eat commercial foods and are very picky, so they feed human food that is high in calories, but in most cases, the pets are simply spoiled to human food, unless there is a medical condition. You can feed a balanced diet of human food prepared by a veterinary nutritionist, but you need to know the calorie content to know how much to feed. Weight loss is simply about calories in and calories out, unless there's an underlying medical condition. If your pet is overweight, then too many calories are being eaten versus the amount of calories burned per day, and it's that simple. So if your pet is overweight, feeding the amount of calories for the resting energy requirement is required, and this number of calories is easy to find. Simply search online for Pet Basic Calorie Calculator and use your pet's ideal weight to determine the resting energy requirement. It is important to have your veterinarian determine your pet's ideal weight, as this is critical for the calculation. Although there will be options to feed more than your pet's resting energy requirement depending on activity level, for weight loss, feed only the resting energy requirement. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is looking into a new case of chronic wasting disease here in Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. An eight-and-a-half-year-old free-ranging mule deer in Lubbock County has tested positive for chronic wasting disease. It is the first time CWD has been found in that county. As a result, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and the Texas Animal Health Commission are working to develop a containment and surveillance zone in the area. CWD is a neurological disease that can affect deer, elk, moose, and other members of the cervid family. It is a slow and progressive disease that has a long incubation period. According to the Texas Animal Health Commission, a deer with CWD may not show any outward signs of the disease for a few years after they're initially infected. Clinical signs may include progressive weight loss, stumbling, tremors, lack of coordination, loss of appetite, excessive thirst and urination, teeth grinding, blank facial expressions, excessive salivation, and abnormal head posture. It is spread through the natural movements of infected animals. The case in Lubbock County was detected during routine deer mortality surveillance. 
John Zalofsky, TPWD Wildlife Division Director, says although the new discovery is concerning, it's important to realize that CWD is still not widespread in Texas, thanks to years of work and vigilance by TPWD staff and partners, landowners, and hunters. He said it is vital that Texans keep on task to protect Texas native deer. TPWD reports it will soon begin reaching out to the Buffalo Springs and Ransom Canyon communities and neighboring landowners in a public forum to provide awareness and education on CWD, best management practices, and how to mitigate the disease. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mix close in the cattle complex on Wednesday with live cattle mostly lower, feeder cattle mostly higher. But the cotton and grain markets headed lower across the board. We'll take a look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this... It could be too late to save your truck, and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex closed mixed on Wednesday with live cattle mostly lower, feeder cattle finishing higher. April live cattle down two cents, one nineteen forty. The June down seven, one seventeen sixty seven. August up ten cents at one sixteen ninety. March feeder cattle up forty seven, one thirty seven even. April feeders up eighty two at one forty one thirty. May feeder cattle up a dollar, one forty four fifty seven. It's getting harder and harder to get a handle on the cash-fed cattle trade. Of course, we only sell about 10% of our cattle here in Texas on the cash market. And then when you add that to the fact that a lot of cash sales are happening outside of our normal reporting sources, it just gets tough to get your finger on it. We do have some sales reported at 114 on a live basis here in Texas this week. There's also reports of some fairly large sales happening here in Texas, a dollar over the top of the market. However, those sales happening outside of our traditional reporting sources, so we don't really have a way to get a handle on it and confirm it. So for now, all we have to report is a 114 market that's steady with last week's sales. Boxed beef prices mixed with choice down $1.37, $233.31, select up $23 to $26.40. Let's check the auction markets now. We're walking the pens with J.R. Gully. We now visit with Ken Jordan of Jordan Cattle Auction, Mason and San Saba. Ken starts out every week with a sale in Mason on Monday, then has a Thursday sale in San Saba. Ken had 780 head go through the ring on Monday and a half inch of rain. We end up being pretty good. We didn't get quite as many head in today, but like I thought it may do, it rained uh, last night. Uh, we got about half an inch, so... Uh, in most areas, some areas got 30, 40 points, but definitely a good wet uh, way to start the week off. I thought overall the market opened this week with uh, good demand. I thought overall the uh, classes of calves, yearlings had a lot of quality, a lot of condition to them. The stocker uh, steers and heifers both sold steady up to five dollars higher. Had one drag of steers that weighed right at 560 pounds at a buck 75, a little over 980 dollars on those cattle. Another group of steers weighed five head of them, weighed 437 at a buck 86, like 813 dollars. 
dollars on those. Peter Heifers and steers, I thought all sold steady. Two, maybe two dollars higher. Had a group of steers weighed eight hundred three at about twenty three and a half, uh, right at nine hundred ninety two dollars on those. Packer cows were four to five lower. Last week we had a pretty good increase, just because of the the almost two weeks of no cattle moving or a week and a half. All that weather we had and uh, it took a while for things going. We're still good, strong on the cows, but they were cheaper today. Bulls also maybe one to two lower today too. Placement cattle didn't have a lot of those, but overall they were steady. Jr. That is Ken Jordan of Jordan Cattle Auction, Mason and San Saba. That's it for today's edition of Walking the Pins from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, J.R. Gully, in for Larry Marble. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs closed sharply higher on Wednesday, April up 257, 87.92. May hogs up $1.42 at 89.35. Class 3 milk was slightly higher. March milk up 6 cents, 16.40 a hundred. April milk up 5 at 17.85. The volatility continues in the cotton market. We've seen these big swings up and big swings down over the last week. It was one of those big down swings on Wednesday. Not a whole lot of news to keep prices higher right now. And it looks like traders are just unraveling some of the bull spreads and positions that they've had in the market. That pushed prices lower. May down 254 points, 88.45. July cotton down 251 at 89.41. December new crop cotton down 144. 8501. We've seen the grain markets do the same thing. We'll have double-digit gains one day, double-digit losses the next. Overall, we've seen somewhat of a sideways pattern here over the last two or three weeks. Still waiting to see of any damage reports to wheat because of that big storm a couple of weeks ago. Traders waiting to hear those answers, but for right now, nothing to trade on with July Kansas City wheat down 9.5, 631. July Chicago wheat down 8.5, 646.5. The corn market lower. The old crop March getting hit the hardest down 10.5 at 5.50 and a quarter. September corn down 3 and a quarter, 489 and three quarters. December corn down 2 and a quarter, 473 and a half. In the energy markets, April natural gas down 3 at 280. April crude oil up $1.54, 61.29 a barrel. The financial markets lower. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 91 points at 31,300. The Nasdaq down 343 at 13,015. The S&P 500 down 45, 3,824. Well, that wraps up our markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for taking time to join us. Remember, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.